0: thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study.
1: If you would, turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. It's important for us as believers to get fed the Word of God, to dine on the Word of God, let God minister to us, speak to our hearts, that we might be fed, that we might be nourished. You know, none of us uh, do well without any nourishment. And so this is our opportunity as we just kind of sit today, the Lord's feet, I know we're all together but the idea the concept is is that the spirit's going to be ministering to us we ask that the holy spirit would be our teacher that the lord would minister to us and so as it were that we would just be sitting and receiving from the lord so chapter 11 as we hit chapter 11 of second corinthians paul is conveying from, really, and if, we, if you don't see this part, you'll misunderstand the rest of what he's saying in chapter 11. If you don't see the fact that he's sharing what he's sharing from a father's heart. He said, you, you may have many teachers, he told the Corinthians. You may have many teachers that come around, but, you know, I led you to the Lord. He says, I have a father's heart for that particular fellowship, for that gathering there in Corinth. That was his heart, and so he's sharing from a shepherd and from a father's perspective. Now, though I did not have daughters, I do have a daughter-in-law now, and I have another gal that's, that's close to our family, and um, I have three sons. And so I do have some perspective of a concern that I have, you know, or an interest that I have. I'm very watchful over them. It's just almost an innate thing. And it's been like that, and especially when it comes to spiritual matters. Now, certainly, I don't want someone, when they go to a car lot, for example, to rip them off for them to spend you know 8500 bucks for a $2,000 car and to obligate themselves to that kind of a, a payment when they don't need to, and all those kinds that certainly as a dad I'd be concerned about that, but I assure you, I was very watchful and still am very interested in who is investing or who they are allowing to invest in their lives spiritually. Paul is coming from that same perspective. He's concerned, he's interested, he's watchful. He wants to be aware of who it is that's investing and what it is that's being invested in the group there in Corinth. What is being shared with them? You know, some people think that because you have an interest in that, it's a lording over thing. Absolutely not. It's a paternal thing. It's a fatherly love and care. But you know what's happened? So much in our society, people don't even know what a dad's really like because a lot of people didn't grow up with a dad in the house. They don't know what it's like to have a watchful dad, a dad making inquiry, a dad interested in what's going on, really invested in their lives and watchful and concerned. And so sometimes it gets kind of convoluted. And today, as we go through this, we can really see the heart that Paul has. He is now, as you know, kind of reminding them of his legitimate role that he had, remember, in their life. we talked about the sphere of influence that he had, remember, at the end of of, of chapter 10. That sphere, and it certainly included them. He had a rightful place to share these truths with them, to challenge them, and to have them be aware that he's aware and that he's concerned for them. So let's look at it from that perspective. A concerned father, a group that's needing some kind of maybe some counsel and to see things from a different perspective. Let's look at it in that light. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, says Paul the Apostle. And indeed, you do bear with me. He says, hey, look, I'm going to share some stuff with you. You know, just listen. And it, I know some of it kind of seems a little out there in some ways, but, but stay with me. That's kind of what he's saying. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So, he says, I've shared Jesus with you. You've met Jesus. You're walking with Jesus. And there's a a betrothal, a a relationship that's there. You see, we are, as the church, the bride of Christ, the Bible says. And one day, that marriage, there will be a marriage supper. You you read about it, and we can see this. There's going to be a time where we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. There's going to be a marriage supper, and we will be there, then connected with the groom, Jesus, in a new, dynamic, wonderful way. Today, we are betrothed to Jesus. We are the bride of Christ. Now, the betrothal, you remember, was a, a year span or so. It's different than the idea of the pre-arranged, you remember, marriages in their culture. They had had pre-arranged, oftentimes. And those things could have been from early, early childhood. They say, hey, well, you have a little boy, we have a little girl. Hey, maybe we can get this deal going here now. And the dads would make an arrangement for that to take place. All of us as parents want to make that arrangement that, my goodness, train up a child in the way that he'd go, that when they are old, they will not depart from the Lord. So the desire is there, that there's this engagement, this desire to, to connect them. But ultimately, the betrothal, as it takes place, is they have everything going on. They have no sexual relations, but they are very close. They spend a lot of time together. The, the guy is kind of maybe working on a, a place for them to live. But it's this year span of time where they're very intimate, but not intimate in a sexual way, okay? Okay. So they have a lot of interaction, a lot of things are going on, this betrothal period of time. Ultimately, the father, after the marriage is consummated, the father is to be able to show. Because if this is is not a virgin, he's going to be able to prove that she is. And if he can't prove that after the fact, if he can't prove that, then there's shame to him, you see. Maintain the purity is what... Paul's saying, maintain the purity of that relationship. I betrothed you to one husband, to this person of Jesus Christ. I betrothed you. Don't pollute that with any other relationships, you see, spiritually speaking. So he's using something that they would understand culturally that was a very serious matter that could cause that person to be put out of the relationship, the, the, the woman, if she's not a chaste virgin, you see, she could be put out by the guy, and it would then also shame the father. So you see where Paul's coming from. It sets the stage wonderfully, doesn't it, for what he's trying to convey to us from a father's heart. He loves the Corinthian people. He's got a shepherd and a father's heart for them. And he wants to be able to present them, a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, Paul says in verse three, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ That is a powerful statement because oftentimes we really can wonder, I've wondered, and I think many of us have wondered, well, what really went down in the garden? What was it that really got said that caused Eve to be pulled into this thing, and then Adam goes ahead and goes along with it. And what was this all about? you know what's interesting? This kind of gives us just a little more of a glimmer of the reality of what it was because we can see the nature of the problems as they unfold in a minute. You can be more spiritual than you already are. You can be more like God than you are. Not more godly, more like God. The deception that set in with Eve, and because, and I think this is true generally, not, not exclusively, but, but generally with gals. They have a, a different heightened sense of spirituality. They have a potential to attain a different, because they're so relational. A lot of us guys are a little bit thicker in certain ways and we just don't have that kind of sensitivity to connect to certain things like that. But this kind of is what makes a good balance. You know, you kind of got the knucklehead part, and you kind of got the more relational part, you know, and it just kind of works. It kind of keeps, the knucklehead kind of keeps everything kind of grounded, you know, and then, then the, the other kind of brings it up to the place where it should be. It kind of makes a good level playing field relationally for us. And I'm not saying that we don't, as guys, identify with the Lord, connect with the Lord, but Eve was caught up by this craftiness of the enemy So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. You see, there's something beautiful about the simplicity of the relationship that we have with the Lord. Something wonderful. that We don't need to add to that. We want to grow in it, but we don't want to add to it. Let's read on. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. He says, you know, I know there's people coming into town. I'm giving you my paraphrase of this. I know there's people coming into town saying, hey, this is great, you know, Jesus is good, but you really need to do this, 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 and this also. These people were called Judaizers, and they would come along, oftentimes, with a Jewish background, and they would come in, and they would try and tell, and I'll tell you why I believe this was Judaizers in a little bit. But they would come in behind, and you find this very evident in the letter to the Galatians. That's really the issue. They would come in and say, hey, Jesus is good, but you've got to keep the Mosaic law. You've got to be, keep all the traditions of the Jewish people. You've got to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it was adding to. There's nothing wrong with that information. There's nothing wrong with growing in, in these kind of things. But those things in and of themselves aren't making you better in God's sight. You see, God loves you today, just the way you are, and God accepts you just the way you are. God loves you and accepts you today just the way you are. Now, he loves us enough not to leave us the way we are. Thank God for that, huh? You know, that he wants to transform us and change us, but he loves you and accepts you. You can't do more to get God to love you more. God loves you already perfectly, what you and I can do is grow closer in our intimacy and our understanding of who God is and grow in that relationship. But he says, hey, look, you guys, you may put up, well, put up with some of this stuff. These people that come through and persuade you to maybe this is good, but now you've got to do this too. And you may put up with that. You may go along with that. But it's not really going to benefit you. Let's read on. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to most eminent apostles. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. He says, you saw who we are. We, you, you saw the relationship that we have, the way we interact. You saw God, the power of God moving in and through our lives, is basically what he's saying. Even though I am untrained, he said, even though that's true, I'm not in my understanding of who God is in the knowledge. Did I commit sin, he says, in humbling myself? That you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you, in verse 9, and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me. No one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you, God knows. But what I do, and he's saying that kind of, you know, rhetorically. He's just saying, hey, look it, you know, God knows my heart. Of course I, I love you. And that's part of the reason why I've, I've, I've lived this way amongst you is what he's saying. But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. He says, they're, they're saying they're really the authority. They're saying that you really need to do these other things, that they're really what you need. And he's saying, no, that, that's not true. And he's, the thing was, was they put up with this. Not only that, they, they were giving them a lot of resources. They were doing a lot of things. They were being taken advantage of. And Paul saying, "Look at the body of Christ today. Look at at large. I'm talking at large. And how many things go on in the name of God, but have nothing to do with God. It's horrible. It's a horrible thing. But the reality is, is they put up with it, right?" And Paul's saying, we ought not to put up with that. You don't need to put up with that. He says, we live this way amongst you so you would understand and see the contrast and the difference that you would really follow the living God. Now they boast in these things that they are of so much value, and that that's why you have to do these other things and, and invest in them and all this kind of stuff, so that we can't let you know God's whole program go down the, the tubes, and so we've got to have all of this to do that, and, and you're just saying, no, that's, that's not the truth. For such are false apostles, in verse 13, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They're making themselves look that way by creating their own press, right? They're making themselves look that way. And no wonder. He says, this is no big surprise. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He's saying, hey, look, this has been going on for a long time. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, because of this, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works couple of scriptures that pop right into mind. 2 Timothy 3.5. 2 Timothy 3.5. Having a form of godliness, yet denying its power. Having a form of godliness, yet denying its power. This idea that, yes, God is, you know, Jesus is good, that's all great, but you need to do these other things too and you need to follow us and, we, and we're really the true apostles and all these kind of things that were going on there. And he's saying, no, that's not true. Hey, Even Satan is very deceptive and appears to be just right. Look at this idea of the description of them. Ministers also transform themselves into ministers, he says these, these, these people would do this, into ministers of righteousness It seems great. Now, there are many cultic groups that seem really awesome as far as the way they they care for one another. They have great welfare systems developed with inside themselves, some of them. They have great organizational things that, that really make them seem just so. And it seems like it's very righteous. And they've got special underwear they wear and I kid not. You think I'm kidding. You knew that was coming, though. But they have all these special things that make them just so, and they're just really righteous, and, oh, gosh, I hope I can get special underwear someday, you know. And, you know, this concept and, and, and that, that idea of how that might work, and it seems really spiritual, and it seems really good, but it is of no profit in the kingdom of God. God requires none of that, none of it. And so though it may seem really good, it means nothing. He says they're false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. He says, hey, no no big surprise. Jesus gave us something that we can kind of tuck away, and I encourage you maybe we can look at this one real quickly. John 6, John's Gospel, chapter 6. Verse 28 and 29. Those who were with Jesus, they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? <laughs> work the works of God. But they, what do we need to do you know, to, to be godly? What do we need to do to be righteous? What, what do we need to do to work the works of God? It's a great question. And we're seeing all these people saying, oh, these are the works of God. Do these things. Be like this. But look at what Jesus response is in verse uh, 29. He answered them and said, "This is the work, not not works. Not works. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's really the work." That, that's really what, what is needed. That's what, brothers and sisters, that's what's really necessary. Everything else is just fluff on the outside. That's what's necessary. Because you see, when we get to the other side, that's what's gonna matter is, do you know him? Do you know him? If you do not know him, you don't have entrance. It's all about relationship. That's the way God rolls. It's all about Relationship. If you know him, you have entrance. If you know Jesus Christ, the only way to know the Father is through the Son. That's the only access that we have. I say again, verse 16. Again, this is, they're questioning this authority, and he says again, let no one think of me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, then I may boast a little. He says, hey, just give me a minute to to, to just, Go off on this a little bit and just tell you a little bit about this. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly, in the confidence of boasting. He says, and I like this because Paul at least tells us clearly. Hey, I'm trying to tell you something in contrast to. He he's, I'm trying to tell you something in contrast to, to compare with. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, and then he says, since you, you yourselves are wise, he's, he's really kind of challenging them, really. He's kind of really getting right up in there with them and saying, hey, look, you know, you guys put up with a lot of stuff, and you know, you guys entertain listening to the fools gladly, but I know you guys are really wise. I know you're really smart. This is what he's saying. Verse 20, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, this is what we talked about, or if one devours you, if one takes from you. If one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, which was a common practice amongst their, the rabbinical teachers and stuff, they would just kind of, hey, what's the matter? You didn't get it? You know, you didn't get it? You, didn't, you know, that kind of a thing. It's kind of the physical Socratic method. So it's the, all of a sudden they bring this question, you know, it's not the, instead of shaming you verbally, they just give you a knock in the head. He says, you guys, you guys even put up with that. Some guy slaps you in the face because you, you aren't getting it. To our shame, I say, that we were weak, too weak for that, that we didn't display this, this overbearing. You see, we sometimes think in our culture what lording over is somebody asked me a question, uh, you know, or, or somebody's actually, because I said, hey, keep me accountable on that, they're actually going to keep me accountable on it. Hey, don't say it if you don't want it. And don't whine about it when someone challenges you. You should, we deserve, we should be challenged from time to time. It's healthy for us. Receive it in the light of the love of God. You see, a father that cares for those around him, a father that really loves them, is going to watch out over and ask questions. I encourage my sons hey, don't make hasty decisions about acquisitions or, or anything you do. Don't make hasty decisions. Think on it. I've found as the years go by, man, if I can sleep on something, it really helps me out. Because, man, you can wake up. I've walked out and looked at property and did all kinds of things. Man, this is a great deal. I really want to make a deal. I want to make an offer on this and this kind of thing because I can do this and this and this with that property. And so I got all these plans in my mind. This is just my business side of my head. And I go and I look at this and I make these arrangements and stuff. And then I, I go, I wake up the next day and I, what in the world was I thinking? I go out there and walk around the same, and I see it in a completely different light. It's good to rest on things when you can. Satan tries to get us, you know, lickety split, guy, make you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, man, we can all be balled up with all kinds of things. Take a minute, think about it, work through it, look at it a little bit, man. It makes a big difference. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks again for listening to the Bible study today, and I trust that God is speaking to your heart. Oftentimes when we hear God's word, it kind of pricks our hearts and there's a a desire to respond. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond to God today by giving your life to Jesus if you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you want that free gift of salvation, everlasting life, it's yours. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer of faith and maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you've walked with God at some point in your life, but you're just not walking with him today and want to get right with him. This is an opportunity for you. You know, many make fun of, of Jesus' second coming. That They're wondering, hey, is Jesus ever going to come back? And they make fun of it, kind of asking, where's the promise of his coming? You know, trying to, to act like God's forgotten about us. Well, God's not forgotten about you, me, or, or this world, But the real reality is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's God's heart, is that we would get to that place of repentance. That means to turn away from something and to begin to follow something else, turning away from our sin and our sinful thoughts and our sinful actions in our lives that are so destructive, and then willingly follow him. That's his desire, that we wouldn't perish, but that we'd have everlasting life. If you'd pray a simple prayer of faith with me right now, right where you are, right whatever's going on in your life, if you just take this brief moment from your heart to pray this prayer and just ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I want to ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior, that you'd come into my heart, make my heart your home. And that I would begin this new life, this new journey with you, Jesus. I thank you so much for loving me, and I thank you for forgiving me. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed and received the Lord
0: into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible-teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain.